Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Good morning and welcome everyone to Live Dharma Sunday for July 29th. 2018, Koyo here, so very, very glad you join us. Well, well, middle of summer, um, I received some emails from a friend uh, who's living, used to live in Chicago and now is uh, living in Florida, and uh, he's a scuba diver, and he's learning all about scuba diving. Um, and he's sharing his experiences uh, in his emails to me, and uh, he he operates out of a particular uh, uh, scuba shop and instructors. So he ordered a, uh, two copies of my book, and he said autograph it to to these people. And uh, so maybe it was in June, I guess. I sent him the two books, and they never got them. And so I said, well, no problem. I'll send you two more. And so I did and and so forth. And and then just today, I got an email that he said, hey, the books finally came, <laughs> you know, from June, over maybe over a month, but U.S. Postal Service <laughs> came through. <laughs> and so what is he going to do with the two extra books? Well, he said, well, I'm going to make some lemonade. And uh, uh, he, he cut that page off that I had inscribed to to these people and uh, uh, with a razor. And, and then he donated the two books to uh, libraries in Florida. And uh, so he said, well, now your books are circulating. <laughs> and, yeah, that's nice lemonade. Uh, it reminded me of um, there's a well-known Morikami Gardens in Delray, Delray Beach, and uh, I guess he was uh, so-called. Uh, you know, in Florida, they had uh, Japanese people from Japan came as as a colony, and they they were working in a particular industry there, and then. Uh, you know, this is maybe over a hundred years ago, and and some of them did very well, and then some of them, uh, in their will, donated some property, and so the Morikami Gardens is a result of uh, that kind of history. And uh, I put, uh, I knew one of the directors, uh, board of directors on Morikami Gardens, and. She said, well, why don't you put your book and your dad's book uh, in their library? They got a nice little small library. 
And so I did. And uh, they said, yeah, send them. So I did. And in fact, when I visited there once, because I have another friend in uh, uh, West Palm Beach, and sometimes he, uh, he's involved in um, counseling work with addicts, and he specializes in that. And uh, the 12-step, and one time he had an interfaith panel discussing the 12 steps from, you know, different perspectives, religious approaches. And so I was invited down, and and then he and another friend and I went uh, visiting the Morikami Gardens in Delray Beach. And, yeah, it's quite an impressive place. And uh, I was able to see my books <laughs> in the library. And it reminded me also, my brother Don used to, uh, when he traveled, uh, took an air flight someplace, he would take my book and then he said, yeah, I'll put it in the pouch. i leave it in the in the uh, pouch in the back of a airplane seat, you know. So that's kind of fun to think about uh, in these kinds of ways. Uh, it's outreach, I guess. Well, okay. Today's guest to give us a Dharma glimpse is Jennifer Keel, and she is a member of current participation in the LM11 group, the 11th lay minister group to go through our curriculum program. Uh, and last year, for the time, we had enough people. You know, sometimes we have to turn people away because they have they have weekly small group teleconferences, and you can those groups discussion groups cannot be too large, maybe eight at the most, and uh, otherwise it gets unwieldy. And sometimes, uh, due to personal things in in people's lives, they uh, things come up, and uh, they might have to drop out of the program. So we might end up with you know. About six, that's about ideal, you know, six people, um, seven, eight, getting kind of a little crowded, and, you know, three, four is kind of not, not enough, but, so, five, six people is, is pretty nice size, and um, instead of, sometimes when we, the group fills up, maybe up to the max of eight people, then we have to turn away any late applicants. So, well, we're all filled up for this year, so uh, you have to wait until next year. But uh, if we get, you know, over 10, okay, uh, 11, 12 people, so, well, you know, so for the first time, we formed two groups, okay, 11, LM11A and B. <laughs> uh, LM11 Affirmation Group, we call it. I mean, so that you won't mistake the A and B so easily. We said A is for affirmation and B is for Buddha. And uh, that's the way they're listed on the Ning site where the participants post their written reports and uh, everybody prints those out and comments on those in this small group weekly teleconference calls. And it's been very rewarding to see how effective and uh, these 
the dynamics of these small cyber sanghas, you know, meeting for two years every Sunday. Uh, and uh, there's a lot of mutual polishing going on. So let's hear from Jennifer Keel today. Today we're going to be talking about the importance of self-compassion. The great author Joseph Campbell wrote, and I quote, the privilege of a lifetime is being who you are, end quote. There aren't any sub-addendums, legal text, or fine print with this. It doesn't matter where we live, what tax bracket we're in, what dress size we wear. Being alive is a privilege and a joy. There's a quote that has guided me in my own practice that I would like to share with you. This comes from the Udana of the Pali Canon and is the translation of Fiancero Bhikkhu. It states, searching in all directions with your awareness, you will find no one dearer than yourself. In the same way, others are thickly dear to themselves. So you shouldn't hurt others if you love yourself. As we think about this quote, it's important to notice that self-compassion is what starts this process. We have to be kind to ourselves. We have to be dear to ourselves. And in today's glimpse, I would like to share an exercise that our small sangha in Utah Valley practiced to learn more about the concept and the actual practice of self-compassion. We explore the concept of self-compassion by utilizing the following exercise. Take a moment and think about something that you're struggling with. Perhaps this is a mistake that was made, an area that you're struggling with and not happy with, or an issue that you just can't quite seem to get away from. How does this make you feel about yourself? What emotions and thoughts do you feel when considering this struggle? Take a moment. Now, utilize this phrase. It's simple, but it works. Turn it around. Flip it around. How would you treat your... And then insert the name of someone that you love and that you care about. Someone in our sangha really loved his cat. And that's as applicable as a human being because all beings have Buddha nature. Say it again. Turn it around. Flip it around. How would you treat your, and I'm going to use the word beloved. Imagine now that this being that you love and care for in this world comes to you with the same struggle. Visualize how you would feel, think, and act. How would you care and support for your beloved in their time of need? Finally, compassionately explore the differences and how you treat yourself in times of difficulty, and how you would treat your beloved. Is there a difference in the compassion you show for yourself versus for others? Why do you think that is? I know that in my own personal practice, understanding slowly and imperfectly practicing the concept of self-compassion has been a great joy and blessing in my life. And I wanted to share that with you and hope that this humble idea and concept gives you a measure of peace and happiness during the fall of week. In Gasho, 
Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah. As I recall, my when I was in college, I asked, one time I asked my father, Reverend Gilme Kubosa, I said, you know, what's Buddhism about? <laughs> what an open-ended question, I guess. But he simply said, uh, finding out or knowing who you are. And now, I can really appreciate that succinct statement, but at the time, it didn't seem to help me that much. I said, Gene, you know, knowing who you are, you know, uh, I didn't realize what kind of tool as a question, how apt that is um, in its practical implications and so forth. But who are you? Or uh, how are human beings? What's human life about? Okay. And where do you fit in okay. with the reality of the universe as it is and so forth? Okay. Uh, they talk about non-self in the Buddhist teachings. You say, what in the heck does that mean? You know, I know I exist, <laughs> you know. Then I can hear my father's voice. Not as an unchanging entity per se. <laughs> he liked that phrase, you know, because of the dynamic nature. We don't have any nouns as realities. We have verbs. It's all a process. Things are happening. It's not a stagnant thing. It's like a river that's flowing. Built right into it, this is a dynamic flow of water. If you take that, take a pail of that water and say, oh, I want to study the river, well, you just can't do it. You just have a pail of water. <laughs> you know. Uh, <clears throat> so the Buddha himself used a lot of, I think, analogies or metaphors for the nature of the self, maybe like a river or like a candle flame. It's there, okay, but not as an entity per se, you know, an unchanging entity. So I like the word dynamic, you know. Uh, and sometimes you could understand in, in principle the causal nature of things, but that doesn't necessarily mean you could control or predict things because things are happening so simultaneously in a dynamic, interactive fashion. It's hard to draw some kind of uh, definite conclusion okay, from such a situation. You may not, you may look at some oranges and say, well, which one is just ripe enough to eat? Okay. You only can do it by tasting them all. You, uh, <clears throat> Because, not because one is somehow, you know, uh, affected in a supernatural way or something like this, but you, uh, plus, is it worth it if you had to do all kinds of big effort to find out which one was ripest to eat right at this moment? Uh, it's not practical. So in practice and in principle, it's a nice distinction. 
just because in practice we may not know how to define oneself, but it doesn't mean that uh, you know that you you don't exist, okay, as an entity per se, unchanging entity per se, huh? Uh, uh, so I find that kind of uh, figuring out karma and you know just the tremendous nature of that concept and how it applies to oneself identity, how we define ourselves. And we get into all kinds of trouble if we mistake the label for the reality itself. The label describes the reality, but then uh, it is not the reality. Language is a tool, but uh, it's very insidious okay, uh, how meaning takes on uh, physical presence. Sometimes that's good, sometimes that's not. <laughs> well, well, well. I'm thinking about um, <clears throat> right now, you know, are we going to start a new term for our lay ministry program in the end of August? So we're gearing up, accepting applicants and organizing the curriculum and everything. And uh, this will be the LM12 group that starts in August of 2018, and they will graduate uh, and have will have a induction ceremony in May of 2020. Wow. <clears throat> 12th group to go through this two-year program. And by golly, we had enough to form two groups again. Uh, and then applicants and <laughs> applications still kept coming in, and they're coming in right now. So it looks like we're going to have three groups, maybe three groups of six. Um, and uh, one of the last in the application form that they fill out and send us the, the last question section says, how did you hear about our particular lay program? Okay. And that's very interesting. You know, we added that and said, well, well I would just, I found it from the internet or, Someone told me or, you know, something like this. And um, nowadays our graduates have, they do things locally and, of course, through the Internet, through podcasts. Okay. I'm not exactly sure how all these things, you know, I'm not that computer literate, but podcast is a very popular way where people can access, you know, uh, uh, listening to teachings and uh, there's one particular uh, <clears throat> right on lay minister in Utah that has a podcast and quite a few new applicants said, Oh, I was listening to this podcast and he said he was trained at your place. So I, you know, and I really like him teacher. So I check out the, and Oh, this program sounds great. So, uh, word of mouth, and uh, uh, that's what happens. <laughs> that's all for today's broadcast. Till next time, keep going, and you have a beautiful day. Thank you.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts.